Big thank you. I also want to uh, let you know, if you uh, are newer to our church, that we have a crisis relief fund that uh, is always available for you to give through uh, Convoy of Hope. And we have all been uh, just uh, had our hearts broken with what's happened in Maui, and uh, we have families in our church that are affected by that, families in our church affected by what's happened over in Medical Lake Spokane area. Uh, we know about what's uh, coming potentially uh, in California. So uh, we work with Convoy of Hope. They are first responders on uh, site in these areas, providing food and shelter and helping with all sorts of things. If you'd like to give, there's another QR code. We've had a few of those this morning, but that'll take you right to the uh, uh, giving page. You can also just go to our website and go to uh, uh, Give Now, and you'll find a special offering designation, Crisis Relief. Um, you know, sometimes we feel like there's nothing we can do uh, but pray. Prayer is so important, amen? But we also sometimes give financially, and so we uh, invite you to consider that. Today we start a brand new series. For the next six weeks, I want to talk to you about the idea of one more. Say that with me. One more. Particularly today, we're going to talk about reaching one more. Now, uh, Lisa and I have two gorgeous grandchildren. Uh, Rowan is four. He starts preschool this week. Can you imagine that? And uh, my granddaughter, Lily, is almost two, and she's decided she's going to skip right over preschool and move right into junior high. Uh, so uh, we're excited about uh, all that's happening in their lives and two grandchildren. But we heard recently that we're going to have one more. One more. And it's one more baby girl. Can you imagine that? I don't know what I'm going to do with two granddaughters. Man, Lily has me wrapped around her finger. Uh, two, they're going to just take advantage of me, I think, and uh, beat me to a pulp. But uh, we're uh, so excited for Britt and Emma. We're going to have a little baby here in the month of January. One more. Today we want to talk about the power of one. You know, sometimes we get kind of mesmerized by multitudes. Uh, we get kind of uh, uh, excited about many, many, many people. But if you study the New Testament, it's interesting to me that Jesus is always focusing on the one. One lad with a lunch, one guy in a tree, one invalid by the pool, one woman about ready to be stoned, another woman with a blood disease, one blind man, one leper, one. One thief on a cross, one woman at a well, one. Jesus had the ability to focus on the one. And over the course of these next few weeks, I want to ask you, who is the one person you're praying about, thinking about, that needs God? Who's that one person that God wants to use you to serve? Who's that one person that God has placed in your life that he wants you to encourage? I want us to have a conversation over these next few weeks about the importance and the power of one, because each one of us can reach one, each one of us can encourage one, each one of us can serve one. And imagine how many ones that becomes. That's hundreds of children, hundreds of youth, hundreds of adults. The impact is hard to fathom. I want to encourage you to begin thinking about who God is placing on your heart. And particularly today, I want you to think about those family members, those friends, classmates, neighbors, work associates that who do not know God and are going to miss heaven unless someone somehow helps them find their way to Jesus.
that's where I want us to focus here today. You see, this is what it means, and we talk about this a lot, to live, love, and lead like Jesus. You know, we talk about believing deeply. That's the first circle in the upper left-hand corner. And then the bottom circle is we want to live like Jesus by being virtuous, to have empathy and compassion and love and goodness and kindness. But it's that top right circle in this Venn diagram that we are called to reach people far from God. It's not enough just to believe right. It's not just enough to uh, live like Jesus. God wants to use us to be his ambassadors, his witnesses. We are to be salt and light to a world who needs Jesus. If you believe that, say amen. And I want to challenge us here. I want, to, I want to turn up the tension level just a little bit here today to help us all realize for a moment, think for a moment, how glorious it will be when those special ones in our life come to find Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Maybe for you it's a spouse. Maybe it's a son or daughter. Maybe it's a friend at work. Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe, uh, maybe it's a parent. Maybe it's a sibling. God wants to use us to reach others. This summer has been a summer of outreach, and together we've been able to reach one more child through Vacation Bible School. We've been able to reach one more youth through the youth camps, one more family through our summer Bethany Compassion Center bash here a few Saturdays ago. Every week we're reaching one more through our work at the Compassion Center. We're reaching uh, many, many, then one more through our missions programs. Every week, somebody is coming to faith in Jesus Christ through our services or classes or groups. Someone asked me, why do we do all of these things, VBS and all this? You know, what's the whole point of it? The whole point of it is to be faithful to God's call in our life, to go into the highways and byways and compel people to come in. You know, the Bible never says to lost people, sinners, go to church. It tells the church to go to the lost it doesn't tell the lost, hey, go find a church somewhere. It says to you and me, Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, to go into the highways and byways and compel them to come in. This fall, I want us to really spend some time praying as a church family. I want us to do this together, all together, all as one. I want us to pray together and, and work together to reach one, serve one, and encourage one. I don't know that there's a better scripture in all the Bible than Luke chapter 15 that answers this next question. How important is one life to Jesus? How important is one life to Jesus? I suppose the one exception would be all the scriptures that talk about the cross where Jesus is basically saying to you and me, I love you this much. And I want you just to personalize that for a moment. Put your name in here. Jesus saying, I love you, John. I love you, Sally. I love you, Debbie. I love you, Cindy. I love you, John or Paul. I love you this much. I went to the cross to die for you as if you were the only one who ever lived. That is probably the greatest answer to this question. But the second one, for me at least, is Luke 15. It's a passage of scripture I've studied many, many times. I've preached on many, many times, but every time I look at it, there's something new and fresh that jumps out to me. And it always stops me in my tracks. It always messes with my heart. It always messes with my mind. And it leaves me in tears and a mess to just take a fresh look at the fact that Jesus saved me 
that there are so many people that are missing heaven just outside the walls of this church. Because if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, if you haven't made peace with God through faith in Christ and had your sins forgiven, you're not bound for heaven, the Bible tells us. There are three stories in chapter 15, as you know. You've read it many times. There's a story of a lost sheep. There's a story of a lost coin. And there's a story of a lost son. Three different stories that have one message. And the message is, the lost matters to God. In each of these stories, you see something is missing and it really matters to someone. You see, that which is missing requires an all-out search. And once the lost is found, there's a great celebration. I want you to think about that loved one who doesn't know Jesus, that friend, that neighbor, that classmate, that work associate, that sibling, that parent, that child. And I want you just to be praying for them as we work our way through this message. Let's look at the first one. Something is missing and it really matters. We see the parable of the lost sheep in the first few verses in this chapter. It says, now the tax collector and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Now usually when I study Luke 15, I, I kind of jump right over those first couple of verses, but not this time. This time I just stopped in my tracks and I just thought to myself, Rob, which camp are you in? Are you in the Jesus camp or are you in the Pharisees camp? You see, it's possible for Christians to be very pharisaical and not care about lost people. Jesus was eating with sinners, with tax collectors. How many love tax collectors? Jesus was eating with people that desperately needed God, people that were far from God. Jesus was spending time with them, and the religious elite, the religious aristocracy thought that was uh, uh, baloney and worthless. It just reminds me that we are in one of two camps. We're either in the Jesus camp or the Pharisees camp. We either care about lost people or we don't. Which are you? Which are we? We need to ask that question. I couldn't get beyond those first two verses. Then it goes on to talk about a hundred sheep, one's lost. The shepherd finds the sheep when he finds them. Verse number six, rejoice with me. He tells his neighbors, what was lost is now found. I have found my lost sheep. And then he says, verse seven, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who re repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Jesus is mocked and ridiculed by the religious elite. And then it goes on to talk about how important it is to reach the lost. You know, there are some words that don't go together. Uh, there's no such thing as an unserving servant. Uh, there's no such thing as a, a non-encouraging encourager. Uh, there's no such thing as a non-reaching, catch this, Christian. We are called by the Almighty to be a bridge builder, an ambassador, a witness, and to testify of the goodness of Jesus Christ. That's his call upon our life. And I want us to pray like we've never done before and ask God to use us as he's never done before. Does what matters to Jesus matter to me?
And if so, how does it manifest itself in my life? On February 6th of this year, 2023, one of the most horrendous earthquakes uh, struck Turkey and Syria. You remember hearing about it. 55,000 people killed. 55,000. I was particularly awestruck by the work of the rescuers who kept digging, kept digging, kept looking, kept looking for one life that might still be alive. And after 10 days of digging, 10 days of searching, they found a miracle girl, 17 years of age, Elena Omez, and pulled her out alive. 10 days under the rubble. 248 hours. I want you to think about that story for just a moment. One was lost and required others to mount an all-out search. When the one was found, can you imagine the relief, the rejoicing, the celebration of her family? Think about the rescuers who said, you know, we're going to keep digging in hopes we find one more. Day one, day two, day three, day four, they kept digging. Day five, Day six, they kept digging. Day seven, day eight, they didn't give up. Day nine, they didn't stop. Day 10, they discovered Elena. Do lost people matter as much to us as this lost girl mattered to those rescuers? It's a probing question. How do we increase our caring for the lost quotient. I want to share a couple ideas. You see them on the screen. I want to encourage us to pray each day for one specific person over these next six weeks. Pray for one specific person. Secondly, I want you to ask yourself the question every day, do lost people matter to me? Do what matters to Jesus matter to me? Just really haunt yourself with that question. Raise the intensity within your own spirit. Do they matter to me? And thirdly, Plan, prepare, engage in working with your church family like you never have before to help us build ministry, to reach out like we never have before, to rescue people who are under the rubble of sin, confusion, and despair. Lost people matter. And I want you to begin preparing and praying with me and plan to invite someone to come with you to church. On October 1st, we're going to have a special day, Friend Day. It's going to be a kickoff of my uh, new series of messages from the, the book of Jonah as we talk about beyond survival. It will be an applicable series of messages for unbelievers and believers alike. And I want to encourage you not to put off, say, well, that's just, you know, Rob talking hyperbole. No, I want every one of us, me, you, all of us, to invite someone to come with us on October 1st. Be specific, be intentional, be practical. Pray about it every single day. Why? Because lost people matter to Jesus and they ought to matter to us. The second thing we see in these three stories is that the thing that was missing required an all-out search. You come to verses 8, 9, and 10 and you see that a woman loses one coin and she just goes crazy mad, shining lights and sweeping and looking and she finally finds the coin, it says, and she calls her friends and says, let's celebrate, let's rejoice. That which was lost is now found. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God 
over one sinner who repents, Jesus says. Notice the gradual growing of intensity in this chapter. We start with 100 sheep, it goes to 10 coins, and then it goes to one son. It starts with sheep, animals, it goes to coins, money, it goes to people, a son, a person. You think that's by accident? No way. Jesus is the master storyteller, and he's dialing up the tension for his hearers right then, as he is for you and me today. Something is missing, and it really matters. What does an outward-focused Christian look like? I believe for you and me to be more outreach-focused and not so self-preoccupied and burdened by our own stuff, which is so easy. We all have a lot going on. But to be more outreach-focused, I think it's going to cost us time in praying every single day for that lost person. It's going to cost us time in praying for ourselves that we live, love, and lead like Jesus. Friends, we have to live such a life that is attractional to people who are lost. Who wants to follow what anybody says who's always nasty and negative and toxic and upset? Anybody like to follow those kind of people? Let me see your hand. None of us. Live your life in such a magnetic way that draws people to yourself and point them to Jesus. Live, love, and lead like Jesus. That is what it's all about. And so we need to check our attitude. We need to check our speech. We need to check our behavior. We need to check how we relate to people who think different, talk different, and believe different than us because we are responsible to build bridges, amen, and to be ambassadors and to be his witness and to be his testimony. Let's work together constantly, as so many of you already are, as a church. And those of you that are newer, join in, get involved. Let's work together to build vibrant, vibrant, relevant ministry. And let's all focus to bring someone to church on Friend Day. Lisa and I had uh, a lot of fun uh, about 10 days ago. Uh, we flew to Alaska to uh, visit uh, uh, our oldest son, Reggie, and uh, our daughter-in-law, Rachel, and, uh, of course, our two grandchildren. And, uh, you know, this is a new day for us because they've lived in Germany. Rowan was born in Germany. Then they lived, uh, well, before that, Virginia, and then after that, Kentucky. Uh, that's a lot of uh, crazy flights. But how many can say non-flight from pain field? How many can say that? That is a new day, folks. That's a new day. So I'm trying to figure out how to do that at least twice every week, and I haven't figured it out yet. But uh, uh, we had a great time flying up there and hanging out with them. And, uh, you know, each of the four days, of non-travel days at least, were epic. First day, we saw a bear. Uh, you know, the second day, we made our way from uh, the Anchorage area up to uh, Palmer and ran into a cousin of mine we haven't seen for 25 years. Who does that? Third day, we saw a moose. And the fourth day, we did a nice hike to Russian Falls and saw the epic salmon, you know, jumping up the falls. And, oh, it was just incredible. It was incredible. But the bear, let me tell you about the bear. Reggie was at work, but the rest of us, my son Quinn had flown out from Boston to be with us. And so we made our way up to the school to play on the playground with the children. We worked our way up some stairs to uh, a housing development up on the top and then kind of made our way back down. And as we're going down, I'm in the front holding Lily's hand, and I hear my wife say firmly but kind of calmly, bear. 
and she grabs Lily, and smartly, she steps behind me. <laughs> How many know if there's two of you and you're trying to outrun a bear, you don't have to outrun the bear, you just need to outrun the person next to you? How many know that? She knew the bear would take one look at me and say, that doesn't look very appetizing, I'm moving on. But you've all heard this leadership adage. There are people that make things happen. That was Lisa in this case. There are people that watch things happen. That was me in this case. I looked up just in time to see the bear running through the woods. And then there are people that wonder what just happened. That's the other family members in the back of us. But how... Is it with you when it comes to reaching lost people? What are you doing to make things happen? What am I? Or are you just watching things happen? Oh, that's great. Church is doing some outreaches. Awesome. Way to go. Or are you just sitting back wondering what in the world just happened? I want to challenge all of us to be proactive. How important is a human life? How important are your relatives? How important are your neighbors? How important are your work associates, your classmates? How important is that son or daughter, that parent? I, I can answer that for you. Nothing's more important in the world. And yet, do we pray? Do we reach intentionally? And for some of you, you would say yes, for sure. But what is God calling us to do? What is he calling us to be about? One day, one bear, one scare, reminds me that we need to be people that make things happen. Be intentional, be focused. That's why we talk about it all the time as a church, the Great Commission, no, grow, serve, share. Share. God is calling us to share, to reach out. It's easy to live in a fog, friends. It's easy to muddle through life, to be just preoccupied with all the stuff we've got to do. Believe me, I understand. But I want to challenge you today, and I want to challenge you again next week and the week after. He is calling us to think about one more. Who is that one that God has placed in your heart? Imagine if they would come to find Christ in the very near future. Imagine how exciting and celebratory that would make you feel. In fact, the Bible says all of heaven rejoices when one who is lost comes to find faith in Christ. May we be all in. May we never stop. May we build bridges. A verse that really uh, is a life verse for me is found in 1 Corinthians 9.22 where Paul says, by all means, save some. And I always look at this verse in two different ways. By all means, like exclamation point. Absolutely, let's do this. By, by all means, let's do it. But I also think about it by all means, by every effort possible. VBS, compassion centers, kids at camp, services, classes, groups, anything, everything we can do because a human life is worth so, so much. Who do you know that needs Jesus? Will you pray? Will you invest? Will you invite? That's a great message for all of us. That's a great message for our church. Finally, there's much rejoicing when the lost are found little too much to read, verses 11 through 32, but you remember the story. Jesus tells a story. It's a parable about a son. Actually, there were two sons. They had a father. The youngest son says, hey, I want my inheritance. He takes it. He goes off, and he just wastes it, spends it on crazy living, and uh, finally gets to the end of his money, and he's living with the pigs, literally. 
eating pig food. And he says, man, the servants at my dad's place have it better than me. I'm going to go back and see if he'll have mercy on me. Well, what happens next is amazing. Jesus tells a story about the father seeing his son coming from a ways off. And what did that father do? He ran a long distance. He embraced his son. He kissed his necks. He said, kill the fatted calf. It's time to celebrate. Bring the royal robe. Put it on him. Bring the signet ring. They had a huge celebration. And what most of us don't know by reading through that is that was very uncommon for Jewish fathers to do something like that. So all of the hearers would go, wow, that's extraordinary. And Jesus was conveying the heart of the Father. There is nothing more celebratory, nothing more important, nothing more exceptional than when someone comes home, when the lost is found. The older brother struggled with it. He said, hey, I've been faithful. You're doing all this for this guy. And the father said, listen, your brother was lost and now he's found. He was dead and now he's alive. Everything I have is yours. But we need to celebrate because this is big. I didn't see, I would think I would ever see him again. I didn't ever think we'd be reunited. I didn't ever think our relationship would ever be restored. When that which is lost is found, there's a great celebration, an incredible celebration. You know, when we talk about the lost, we're not talking just about being lost in an Alaskan wilderness. Those of you who've been to Alaska, and I hadn't been there forever and ever until recently here, the woods go forever, the wilderness goes forever, there's streams and lakes everywhere you look, forever and ever. And you can imagine how someone could be lost, really lost. But what we're talking about is being lost for eternity. If someone does not have Jesus, they're lost for eternity. They need Jesus. And Christ has called you and me to be his mouthpiece, to be his hands extended, to be bridge builders. He's called us to be his expression of love and his expression of kindness. Does what matters to God really matter to me? Everybody here knows the story of Oscar Schindler. No doubt you've seen the movie, read the documentaries, read the stories. He doesn't look at all like Liam Neeson, does he? There's one statement that Schindler has said that not everybody agrees he said it this way, but one statement no doubt you've heard is, my only regret is I couldn't have saved one more. Some say he didn't quite say it that way, but he certainly had that intent in his heart. But the one statement he did say that everybody agrees is the one you see on the screen. After saving 1,200 Jews from the Holocaust, after risking his own life, after going bankrupt and losing really everything, he said, I had to help. I had no choice. When it comes to lost people who are facing a Christless eternity, we have to help. We have no choice. Your son, your daughter, 
your grandchildren, your parents, your siblings. They matter so much to Jesus, you can't even begin to understand. You think you love them? You think I love mine? Doesn't even come close to how much Jesus Christ loves them. And he's asking you and me, are you willing to pray? Are you willing to work? Are you willing to live, love, lead like Jesus? So that precious, precious lost people can find their way home. And I hope you will join me in answering yes. 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 May lost people come to find Jesus. Who is that person you're thinking about today? You say it's impossible. They're they're closed. They're not open. They're not interested. Pray. The Holy Spirit knocks on their heart door again, as he already has. Don't stop praying. Don't give up. I had to help. I had no choice. Lord, we bow our hearts and heads in prayer. We ask you, Lord, to move upon our hearts and give us a compulsion, a passion, a compassion, like we have never had before, Lord, to rescue the perishing and care for the dying, to reach precious people. Lord, why is it that we, me, why is it that we have found our way to faith in Christ, but others have not? Why do some people not get as much as an opportunity as we have? Lord, we, there's so many questions we can't really answer, but the one question we can answer is are we willing? Are we willing? to do it Jesus' way? Are we willing to be in the Jesus camp, not the Pharisees' camp, and to have at the very core of our being that lost people matter to Jesus? May it permeate every class and group and ministry of this church. May every sermon, Lord, be about helping people find their way to Jesus in some way, shape, or form. May it shape the priorities of our life. May it consume us, God, every day that we are here on purpose, for a purpose, and that is to do the work of the Lord. We are willing to do the works of you, Jesus, while it's day, because we know the day will turn into night when it will be too late. Lord, I pray for every single one of us that we will be your ambassadors Lord, that we will live, love, lead like Jesus like never before and we will radiate the message of God's love far and wide. I pray, God, you'll give us opportunities to share the goodness of Christ. When people ask us for the hope that we have, we'll be able to share. May we be careful how we live our life so that we might be able to influence outsiders, as your Bible tells us. Use us, God, as your army. Use us as your salt and light. Use us as bridge builders to share the goodness of God's love. Thank you that somehow, some way, we found our way to Christ. We pray that happens for so many more. How many here 
within the sound of my voice, with every head bowed and eye closed, would say, Pastor Rob, pray for me. I'm a little bit like that prodigal son. I've kind of run from God. But now it's time to run back. I need to run home. It's time to stop being lost in the wilderness. It's time to find faith and hope and love in Jesus Christ. Today, I want to pray to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. Would you pray for me? If that's you all over this place, would you just raise your hand and hold it there for a moment? Just lift your hand and hold it high. Today, I want to commit or recommit my life to Jesus Christ. I want to surrender my entire life to him. I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. I want to go to heaven. I want him to forgive me of my sins. God bless you. If you're here today and you're a Christian and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, and you're willing to commit here these next six weeks to pray and to reach and to ask God to change your heart in any way he needs to, but more importantly, to focus on reaching people who need Jesus. If you desire to put into practice the very message of Luke 15, would you stand to your feet with me all over this place? I want us to stand together as a church family. Today I commit to being that bridge builder, that ambassador. I want to live love like Jesus. I want people to find their way to Jesus Christ through me as God ordains it. I want to be available to be used of God to reach my family and my neighbors and my work associates and my classmates and and business partners and on and on it goes. God, use me, use me. Prepare their hearts. Open their hearts, God. May miracles happen, Lord. May miracles happen. Not just a miracle girl who's recovered from the rubble after 10 days, but God, people who are recovered from a life of sin and lostness. God, we pray for those who are about to miss heaven, that they find Jesus Christ and make heaven. God, do something powerful in our community, something powerful in our county. God, send a revival, a spiritual revival, where people open their hearts to hear and listen and desire to make peace with God through faith in Christ. May it start right here at BCA. And may it start with us as we pray this prayer individually as well as collectively. Would you just lift up the name of that one person that you've had on your heart and mind that needs Jesus? Just just in your own heart, bring him before the Lord. Lord, you know each and every person that is being brought before you right now. I know without a shadow of a doubt, some are parents, some are children, some are siblings, some are extended family, some are good, good, close, close, precious friends. Pals at work and at school people who need Jesus, need to know of Jesus' love. And yet, Lord, sometimes we find ourselves at a loss on how to get the message through. Well, Lord, again today, we just say we are going to be available to be used anyway, but we know that we are not the ones who save. Jesus saves. We share. We share the hope of everlasting life. But Jesus saves. So, Holy Spirit of God, knock on heart's doors and bring people to a place of openness to receive. 
And as we work together as a church family to reach out and invite people to come to church, not only throughout the fall, but particularly on Friend Day, God, I pray it'll be a glorious, glorious time where maybe some people hear the good news of God's love for the first time clearly ever. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. And everybody said, amen. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come forward. And we want to pray with you. Maybe you want to step forward and pray for a loved one who needs Christ or a friend or family member. Maybe you want to come and pray for someone who's been really affected and impacted by these fires and natural disasters all over the world. Maybe there's another issue that you'd like to to pray about. We invite you to come. Our uh, tradition service leadership online service will close in their normal fashion. We're going to close by singing this song together. God bless you.